Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Letizia Gora. She's the founder of Work Design Studio. I first became aware of her designs far in advance of ever having known who she was when I walked into my favorite pre-pandemic co-working space, The Wing. Leticia had put her stamp all over that place. In fact, I loved it so much that I made my bathroom a carbon copy of the bathroom at said wing. Cut to a couple of years later, she emailed me in and I was so excited to understand her process from going from a jewelry designer to an interior designer, how she scaled the company, and what was the catalyst that drove her to quit her day job, take a chance, and explore and soar in the world of interior design. Take a listen. Leticia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I have to share, when I saw the inbound email and it said that you designed the wing, I was like, well, my bathroom was inspired by the bathroom. (laughs) So I live in the same building as the Dumbo one. Oh, I love it. And so I have a terrazzo bathroom. Nice. And it was based, it was like, I was like, we need to copy this bathroom exactly. So thank you for that. (laughs) Of course. My husband might hate you a little bit for, he's like, why is our, all of our bathrooms are pink? (laughs) With Terrazzo. <laughs> we had to step away from the pink at the end. But I know. it was, um, yes. It, it had a good run. It had, did have a very good you run, You know, that, sure. that whole era, that pink era was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I found fascinating about your story is you were a jewelry designer before you ever got into interior. So I'd love for you to start there. It was yes. Rourke, New York. Yes. What type of jewelry... Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll start just a little bit pre-jewelry just to give context of how I got into that. So um, my first job in New York was as an assistant buyer at Bergdorf Goodman. And I was going into the office every day, sitting in a cubicle, um, you know, pounding spreadsheets out and not really loving sort of the commute to the office and the cubicles and just the whole sort of office So it wasn't the glamorous thing that people think being a buyer is. Exactly. Not at all. Um, And, you know, you had to be at your desk from 8 to 7. Oops, sorry. That's fine. Um, Lots of clinking, lots of jewelry. I still haven't lost that touch. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we had to be in the office every day from, you know, 9 to 7 or whatever it was, even if there wasn't a ton going on. Um, And these young jewelry designers were coming in and selling us jewelry for 5F. And... I would hear their stories like, oh, I went to Mexico and made this necklace. And 
they're selling it, you know, at Bergdorf's for $700. And I was like, wait a second, I want to do that. I don't want to <laughs> do this. Um, and I started a jewelry line of these hand beaded scarf necklaces that were made in India. And I started it in 2009. So I was at Bergdorf's for about four years before that. Um, and yeah, it was sort of my start to entrepreneurial, um, to being an entrepreneur. Um, I left, you know, my nine to five, I left a steady paycheck and it was incredibly nerve wracking. Um, and yeah, that was sort of my first foray into entrepreneurship. And then from there, sort of right place, right time landed me as an interior designer. And I can kind of dive into what that sort of looked like. Um, so I had had my first child in 20... Oh, gosh, I'm going to get I always get it backwards because her birthday is 10, 16, 14. I always think she was born in 2016, but she was born in 2014. <laughs> um, she's nine years old now. Um, so I had my first child and realized that I kind of wanted to get out of fashion, but didn't really know what that looked like, how I was going to do that, what my next step was. It was a bit. And where nerve. were things where were things at with the business? Like, were you happy with what you had achieved? You were selling in wholesale and I was very happy with what I had achieved. We were selling wholesale. We were doing trunk shows. Um, I became, it's very funny, I became very big in Japan. So we went to Japan. We That's sold always two. a nice thing when you become big at Japan. It was it's amazing. It was so cool. Um, I got sent over there. I'd never been before. I was pregnant with her. Um, and we did trunk shows in United Arrows and Tomorrowland and a few other stores, which was very, very sort of eye-opening and an amazing experience. Not amazing being in Japan pregnant because, you, you know, with my sushi. first child, um, <laughs> with my second one, I probably would have eaten the sushi, but I ate a lot of um, soba noodles and tempura, which was, you know, just as delicious. Um, and so Rourke, New York, um, when Colette was about two years old, I was still doing it, traveling all over the place, doing um, trade shows in Paris twice a year, doing trade shows here. And it just got quite like monotonous to me and I was traveling too much. Um, and I decided that, you know, I wanted to kind of see if maybe I could consult for other fashion brands or do something thinking outside of the box, stepping away from just working for myself. And so I consulted for um, a small brand called Cade, which is no longer around. Um, and she was sharing an office with a woman um, in the West Village. A woman was an interior designer. Her name was Chiara de Rege. Um, Cade went out of business. Chiara was looking for another office and asked me if I wanted to run my jewelry business out of a small space in um, the Hatch showroom, Hatch being the maternity mm -hmm. line, um, which worked out perfectly for me because I actually got pregnant with my second child <laughs> right when we moved in. Um, but we shared a really small space in the back of the Hatch showroom. And she was doing her interior design. I was running my jewelry business. And one day, her assistant sort of quit, like out of the blue. And she was traveling to Los Angeles, helping a client um, with an install, and called me sort of freaking out, like, my assistant quit. Can you please get this you know, thing off of her desk and tell me what it says? And it's like, do you want me to just help you? Like, I can just be, you know, I can step in here, do it hourly. Like, I really kind of think I want to get into interiors. And she was like, oh, my God, that would be amazing. Can you help me? 
So um, I have to pause you there. Okay, sorry. You have a successful jewelry <laughs> line. You're doing trunk shows. You're going to Paris. And suddenly you're like, let me fill the role of an assistant. We never hear people wanting to take a step back these days. Yes. Like everything is beneath everybody. Yes. So what in that moment made you go, okay, I, I don't care that I'm going to be her assistant or or take a step back? Or For me, it was that, you know, this opportunity opened itself to me and allowed me to try something new. And I was sort of at this phase with this jewelry line where I had been kind of getting sick of doing it for a minute. Um, and I really wanted to try something new, you know, and you have to start at the bottom. That's something I've always learned and always known. Um, you know, both my parents were entrepreneurs and you start at the bottom. That's how yeah. you learn anything. And you know, you roll up your sleeves, you get your hands dirty. That's how you understand how businesses are run and how different industries work. And for me, you know, it wasn't rocket science. I was placing orders to same sort of thing just for furniture as opposed to for um, jewelry. And I was, you know, I was still doing my business and helping her. So it wasn't a full time job. And yeah, it was I mean, you got to start somewhere. So it was um I don't look at it as a step back. I look at it as, as you know, definitely a step forward because it opened my eyes to to interiors. And you know, I remember sitting in the hat showroom and Audrey Gelman and Lauren Casson walked in, who were the founders of the wing, you know, to go over a concept with Kiara and Hillary Koifman, who were the two um, designers of the first wing. And you know, I sort of heard them whispering, and it was all very hush hush and secret at the time. And I saw this amazing rendering that they had done and I sort of peeking my head over like, oh, that looks really cool. Um, and I remember thinking in that moment, like, oh, wait, I want to be part of that. Like, that sounds so cool and so interesting. And, you know, as they grew very quickly, um, Kiara asked me to help, you know, do some of the assistant work with her for a few of the original spaces, um, Dumbo being one of them, DC being one of them. The Wing Soho, helping with that one a little bit. So um, that's sort of where where it all started. And then I, you know, the girl, Audrey and Lauren raised a bunch of money for the Wing, and they were expanding like crazy. And they asked me if I wanted to come and help, you know, design the spaces in-house for them. And I couldn't really say no. And so I decided to say goodbye to Rourke, New York. <laughs> And um, go work in-house for them at The Wing. So before we started recording, you shared that you had no experience. You didn't know how to read an architectural drawing. And I think many of my listeners, you know, sometimes are afraid to take the next step because they lack experience. But you said, yes, I don't know what I'm doing. Or maybe you didn't tell them that. But internally, <laughs> like, don't know what I'm doing. Don't know how to read an architectural drawing. Let's go. And and um, before you answer that, you know, I was asked to design – the interiors of an apartment building and a and a and a resort, and I didn't do it because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> and now I regret that moment, right? That I turned it down. So talk me through that moment and how you sort of had the balls. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I was incredibly transparent with them from the get go, and I think that was very very important. You know, I told them both I do not have any experience in interior design, and they were like it doesn't matter. Like you have a really good work ethic. You work really hard. You have really good taste. You know, you've been through this, you know, cycle a few times now building them out. Like you'll figure it out. 
And so then, you know, they hired a VP of development. I worked very closely with construction managers and architects. And I was just incredibly transparent from the get-go with every single person that I worked with. And everyone was incredibly patient with me and walked me through exactly what I was looking at. And I, you know, I spent a lot of time on my off time, you know, sort of like studying it and making sure that, you know, I was looking, what I was looking at made sense to me. And if I had any questions asking, um, asking people, but, you know, they put a lot of, a lot of faith in me. And I'm so, so grateful that, you know, they gave me that opportunity because it really, really changed the course of my career and and my life for sure. Right. Now it's like, it's what you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So sadly, the the wing is no longer, apparently women can make mistakes and not recover from them, (laughs) but Adam from WeWork can keep raising money and it's okay. So crazy. Um, I love the wing. I stand by it. It was for me like the first space that I could go to and be proud to be in and feel a community of women. And so I think obviously the interior design had so much to do with that. Again, you know, and I think credit to you for creating all those incredible spaces. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, it was such a such a collaborative process working with the, you know, internal design team, working with Audrey and Lauren, who just also had such a very clear vision of what they wanted the spaces to be. And then as we were growing them and expanding, you know, we really used each space to gather learnings about how the members were using them, what spaces were they using within the, you know, clubs, um, what was a hit, what wasn't a hit, and, you know, using that to grow. And one thing, one big takeaway for me working there was, you know, design was such a big part of it. And... We were designing for paying members, right? So the design had to lure people into the spaces and they had to be comfortable. They had to be inspired. Um, I'm a Libra, so lots of balance happening in my life all the time. And I think about everything from a balance perspective. And here it was really, you know, balance of functionality with inspiration and how are we giving everybody everything that they want all at once so that they keep coming back. Yeah. And, um no, it was a great, and it was just so forward thinking um, in terms of spaces that you could go in the morning, you could spend your whole entire day there, you could go to a really interesting event. You know, there was so much about community that was involved with those spaces, and it was it was just a great learning experience. And you know, we grew so incredibly quickly. I th- I was there three years. We built out 11 10,000 square foot spaces wow. over the course of the three years that I was there. One being in London, which was five levels, which was so fun because each level got its own personality, which was really super fun to design. Um, and yeah, I was... It was a crazy. It was a crazy three years. I was traveling like a nut. Um, my kids were, you know, at that point like one and three, how two did and you, four. How did you deal with that? Um, I have a really lovely husband <laughs> <laughs> um, and childcare. Um, but no, emotionally, it was, like it was, it was very hard. It was really tough. Um, you know, leaving your kids. You know, I would leave on a Sunday night flight to London that left at eleven o'clock. Um, so that I could put them to bed before I left for the airport. And then I'd get home on a Wednesday and they would be, you know, mad at me until Friday that I had left them. And that cycle just kind of continued. But now that they're a little bit older, you know, they don't remember that. But I think if if they had been a little bit older at the time, you know, I, I try to ingrain in them that, you know, 
mommy likes working and it's it's important that mommy works hard and yeah. they get that at this point but at two and four maybe not so much <laughs> right they're just like where's my where's my comfort person <laughs> totally totally and you yeah, know my husband was always um really supportive and you know pushing me to not feel bad and to just you know keep keep trugging along and yeah I never um, not feel bad <laughs> doesn't go away <laughs> yeah I think it's I think it's tough but no, it was. I have a, a funny memory of sitting, watching. I think it was a Sunday, watching football, and my husband's best friend was over, and I looked at him, and I was like, "Um, so I'm going to tell you this in front of Jared, but I have to go to London every three weeks for the next two months, oh <laughs> or not two months, three months." And he was like, "What?" So, um, yeah, just having a, a nice support system is, is very important as a working mom and. You know, working at the wing, it was five days a week in the office, you know, nine to seven or whatever your hours were. And that was hard. We moved out to the suburbs in, um, when was it, 2017. And I was commuting every day, you know, getting on the eight o'clock train and home on the seven o'clock train. And so being away from the kids was tough in that regard. So, you know, the pandemic was horrible in many ways, but I feel like a silver lining for me personally was definitely having more time with my girls and and figuring out that sort of work life balance because definitely wasn't balanced um no. you know before and no. and I feel like there's a a really interesting you know breakthrough happening of you know work life balance and hybrid work you know that's that's going on right now so it's fun to be part of that conversation with you know companies. Yeah. No, it when I think back, I was thinking about it yesterday. I used to get home at six forty five every night and then I pushed my kids' bedtime to nine thirty just so I could be with them. <laughs> because I never saw them otherwise, you know, and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm done working now at five, five yeah. fifteen yeah. and I'm home. Yeah. you know, because we have a hybrid and it's just like the difference of quality time is totally is a game changer. So I do I am grateful for that silver lining. Yes, definitely. So you put them to bed at 9.30 and then they're little grumps in the morning. <laughs> they haven't been grumpy. I mean, I'll say this. When, when when they went to school in the city and they had to be up at 7, they were definitely grumps. But now their school starts at 8, at 9. So we, oh, we have an 8.15 week wake up and everyone is oh, very happy I'm very with jealous. <laughs> I need to move to Florida maybe. <laughs> So tell me what it was like. Did you leave the wing before it imploded or did did you have to start over again once that unfortunate situation? And, I know? did not leave the wing once I, you know, April 3rd, I remember it well. Um, it was a sad day. Um, but yeah, sort of Audrey and Lauren announced, you know, on Zoom that it was going to be shutting down. And we all hung up and they were like, okay, and you, you know, you might get a phone call. And I, you know, shut down the Zoom and 15 seconds later, Audrey and Lauren were on the phone and I just started crying hysterically. And I was like, thank you guys so much for the opportunity. You know, you guys changed my life. So, so appreciative of that. Um, And it's true. And I really have, I have so much respect for what they built and um, so much gratitude for both of them for giving me that opportunity. It was very, very life-changing and amazing. And um, yeah, so then I decided to open my own firm. um, Like that day? 
Um, yeah. I mean, I think I knew that this was happening, right? Because it wasn't like overnight that, I mean, I guess it was sort of overnight, but um, it had sort of been in, in the back of my head was that my next step would be um, starting my company. And um, Sarah Needleman, who worked with me at The Wing, she um, was on my team, decided to, you know, come with me. And we founded um, Rourke Design Studio. So <laughs> clearly I really like that name. <laughs> uh, no, it, I um, I named it after a character in a book who um, who I really loved. And he sort of went against the norms of society. And I feel like that sticks true to what I was trying to do with my jewelry and what I'm trying to do with my interior design. So... Um, yes, yeah, so we started it, and then did the phone of, start ringing immediately, or how did you even get your next first or your first client? After definitely that? didn't start ringing immediately, um, but I did understand the importance of kind of you know getting a website up and getting brand, having somewhere that people could you know look and see our portfolio. And you know the greatest thing about working at the wing was in such a short period of time, I had a portfolio of eleven spaces that I could share and. You know, the, fir the first thing that every client at the beginning sort of said was, well, I really don't want it to be so pink. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's not my, you know, that was very much the brand, very much the aesthetic of the wing. That wasn't, you know, necessarily my personal taste. Um, not that I don't love the color pink, but um, that, yeah. So the, our first clients were two residential clients, um, dabbled, dabbled in that, you know, taking walking through houses on Zoom, you know, like with an iPhone or a computer and not knowing these people and, yeah, dabbled in residential and just wasn't really for me. <laughs> because, let's go into that. You mentioned earlier you are getting in the middle of a marriage. Yeah, it was just a, the middle of a marriage, you know, the wife wants one thing, the husband doesn't want it, then I have to be the one who's sort of telling them to get it or not. And then it arrives and the husband doesn't like it. And then right. they need to return it. It's just like, <laughs> you know, make up your mind already. Oh um, my God. I've been there. <laughs> in, um, in my personal design, like of my house and stuff, I'm, I'm a big believer that like everything is going to fall into place. I think in life in general, I'm a big believer that, you know, Everything happens for a reason and everything will fall into place. Um, but yeah, in my house, I'll buy like a random chair one day having no idea where it's going to go. And it will, you know, it will miraculously find a perfect corner. So, yeah. um, but it's hard to explain that to people when they're like, well, I don't know you. I don't know anything right. about you. You're going to tell me to buy this, you know, X dollar, X amount of money chair. And how am I going to trust that it's going to go with what else we're picking and, um, so yeah, that wasn't that wasn't really for me. Okay, and then there was a cu a couple other ones who just like had no budget, um, which was to is totally fine. But then why are you hiring an interior designer? Right, or like you know, a two million dollar apartment, and they're like, can you furnish it for thirty thousand dollars? And I'm like, furnish what? <laughs> the whole apartment? And like, how much money do you think I like? You yeah. want to pay me with that too? Like, yeah, it's sort of crazy. So. Um, yeah, decided. So then there was kind of um, a resurgence of the wing. The wing got bought, half bought by a company called IWG, which is International Workspace Group. And they came in and Lauren called me and she said, we need to depinkify the wings. Can you help us? 
can your firm help us? And so they hired me as a consultant and I went in and depinkified a couple of the wings for them. So we did Chicago and Soho and LA. Um, and I did that for a few months and then it was like kaput's done. We're really done this time. <laughs> so they fully went under. Um, so, but, so they were one of my first clients. Um, and then we started getting more commercial clients and a lot of it's through referrals, which is great. We've been working with, you know, a few agencies creating, you know, their office spaces. A lot of companies are having trouble, you know, having their employees come back into the office. And we had an amazing article come out in the New York Times um, about how we, you know, design thinking of employees as members because that was really a huge takeaway from from the wing. And, you know, how are we helping them want to be in, in the spaces that um, – you know, they're working in all day. We come from, or we came from, you know, pandemic work where you had sweatpants on on the bottom and, you know, a nice shirt on on the top and you're sitting on your couch. And I think it was all fine and dandy for a little while, but there is really something to be said about, you know, the spontaneous collaboration that happens when you're in a physical space with people. And that doesn't happen over the phone or over Zoom. And um, yeah, just collaboration in general. I think it's so important to be in the same physical space. So, um, yeah. So what are you working on? Or I guess what's next for you? That Yeah, we're working you? on some really fun projects right now. We have one in the Cayman Islands, which isn't so bad. We get to go, go down to the sunshine every few weeks, which is awesome. Um, and there we are creating a space, a co-working-esque space um, for a venture capital firm who's you know, trying to to bring potential clients um, to have a home base down in the Caymans. So that's really fun. And we're working with some real estate developers to help them transform empty office space into, you know, alluring office space. So taking an empty white box and, you know, throwing some paint up, having some comfortable seating moments, you know, strewn throughout a sea of desks. The one that we're working on right now is actually 160,000 square feet. And just <laughs> walking into it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is 16 wings next to each other. Like L.A., San Francisco, Chicago. You know, I look at this space and I'm just like, whoa, OK. Um, but that's fun and that's a challenge. And, um, you know, I really love a challenge. So I I like to be, yeah. I like to be challenged, so it's it's a fun one. So you strike me as someone who, um, at least on the surface, has sailed through these scary moments, like you know, diving into something you didn't do, going in house with no experience, designing one hundred and sixty thousand square foot spaces. <laughs> what does scare you? Oh man, so many things scare me. Um, you know, I think as a small business owner. You know, the peaks and valleys are are really hard to manage and deal with. You know, either it's we're really, really, really crazy busy one moment and the next moment it's like, oh, my God, we're not going to be able to pay our employees or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But that that's hard for me to still to this day to manage. Um, And then in terms of being really scared, I don't know that from a from a business perspective, I'm super scared of anything because, like I said, I, I really 
I believe that you're sort of manifest your your own destiny and that like everything, you know, happens the way that it should. And if you work really hard, it's going to pay off. Um, if you treat people really well, it's going to pay off. Um, I had one experience when I started Rourke New York that I was thinking about the other night because I was thinking about our conversation and it was sort of something that that molded the way that I approach work and I had just started this line and we were putting garment tags in the back of our scarf necklaces and I had a big order that I think I was shipping to Bendel's or something like that or shop up or one of those and it was my first big order and the tags weren't made in time and I call the manufacturer you know on 38th street or wherever he is 3g trimming that was who it was oh, I don't know I if you ever used 3G that. Trimmings, yes. <laughs> and I called and I started yelling and I was like how are these not done I need these for my client and I was such a bitch and it was horrible and I went in the next day and I brought them donuts and I was like I am so sorry that I treated you like that yeah I just need to come up with a solution. Like, I need these tags to be in this order because if I ship them without tags, no one's going to see who made them. It's just a random piece of fabric. Um, And I sat with him for like two hours and he's on the phone with China figuring it out. And I was like so apologetic. But it was this moment where I remember thinking or realizing, you know, being mean and being disrespectful is going to get you absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Of course, it's the golden rule that we teach our children, right? Like treat people the way that you want to be treated. Um, but I think just it really made me realize, and I think, you know, in interior design and construction, like nothing is ever going to work 100% the way that you want it to. It's just doesn't like something always is going to go wrong you have to go into every situation understanding that like maybe something won't ship in time or maybe you know this some something's going to happen that's not supposed to happen um and so I just try to from the get-go nip it in the bud and try to come up with solutions and do it like really respectfully with everybody that I work with I've worked with other people who treat you know subcontractors horribly and it all just, comes back it's to you. Just, yeah, it all yeah. comes back to you, and it and it's and it's yucky. And I don't want to, you know. I treat everyone who works for me. You know, one downfall of mine is I'm, I think, like want to be best friends with everybody too. <laughs> I learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, still learning that one. Yes. <laughs> yes. I now put up guard. I was like, we're not. This person is not your best friend. Yes. Newsflash, and they will. F- Leave you at some point, and it'll be over. Um, thank you so much for being on today. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? I don't think so. No, okay. I think we covered. I think we covered it all. Okay. I didn't ask. Oh, what would we be surprised to know about you? Oh, this is funny. I was trying to think about this one. Um, I think um, I'm very competitive. Is one thing in sports. Like so, like tennis, you don't want to play tennis with. My that's where that's jo- where your mean streak comes maybe, out. Yes, maybe that's where it is. My husband was joking. He's like, I think you just cheat. That's why you're not competitive. I was like, I don't cheat. Um, <laughs> and then I think that's yeah, I think that's probably a good one. And um, I'm really horrible with my cell phone on the weekends, but intentionally, I like leave it in my bedroom so that's I can nice. be like quite focused with my kids. I or I that. try to. My mom, when I was in our teens and twenties, had like a. 
um, basket outside of the kitchen. Whenever my friends would come over, we'd have to put our cell phones in the basket in order to like go have dinner and have like drinks and whatnot. And it sort of just I love stuck that. with me. So those are good. Ones. I try and just use the camera on the weekends, and that's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think those are those are my two. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.